think Joe Flacco is actually a very elite quarterback. I would say absolutely he is an elite quarterback. Tom Brady has my vote for the greatest to ever lay some up. Tom Brady, greatest of all time. She got my vote. Number one man, greatest quarterback of all time, hands down, Tom Brady. I suppose to be a franchise, but we in here talking about practice. We talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. Ladies and gentlemen, Monster Mangus here, reporting to you live from Washington, D.C., the nation's motherfucking capital, giving you all the rundown on everything sports and entertainment over the last several days. Welcome back to all of you pilgrims. We hope that you enjoyed Thanksgiving and the Force family fun that comes with it. If for whatever reason you live under a rock and you missed all the absolute electric uh, events that occurred both in sports and entertainment, do not sweat it, boo-boo. We are back in the stew with the full crew ready to do what we got to do. And that's to help that's to help you get off and put a little money in your pockets while doing so. So, for those of you that don't know us, this is End of Regulation, the best thing since sliced bread, changing the sports and entertainment industry one episode at a time. First, we must ask you to do one thing. <clears throat> Pick up your iPhones right now and call JG Wentworth. No, just kidding. Go ahead and follow us both on Twitter and Instagram. We need the love. It is our lifeblood. If nothing else, go ahead and subscribe now to our podcast so that you never miss out on an episode. And like I said, we'll be changing the face of the industry one episode at a time. So don't miss the fucking boat. You don't want to be left behind. Let's go ahead and introduce the crew in the stew recording episode 34, Blake Bortle, The Boat. The beatest of all time. Live from Florida and the brains behind our Twitter, Mr. Brent Jernigan. How we doing, kid? I'm good. Uh, Twitter game has been weak. Uh, everyone was drunk as hell and comatose uh, on Turkey for the last four or five days. Uh, but I promise we'll be ramping that back up this week. Uh, lots of fun stuff happening over the weekend and today in the NFL and the rest of the sports world. So check out our Twitter. Good stuff. Well, next on the mic, live from California, the host with the most, Mr. Barrow Chess Grimes. How we doing? Doing good, boys. Ready to be back in the stew uh, with the crew. Um, yeah, man. I cannot wait to talk about Dwight Howard. That's all I've been looking forward to all week. Well, we've got that on the docket. So right before we dive into that and our agenda, let's introduce our last host, live from Rich what? Rich Moon. <laughs> and the production piece behind End of Regulation Tommy Lasagna, how we doing? It's good to be back. Uh, got the game on in the background over here, and I just want to give Lamar Miller a shout-out. He's back. He's got 150 yards and a touchdown, and they're not even through the second quarter yet. So, Jesus Christ. Go, Lamar. Wow. Did wow. anyone just – wait, did anyone just watch that fourth down effort uh, in the red zone by the Titans? They're at, like, the four-yard line, handed it to a white tight end who sees about four snaps a game, and he ran the ball with the pad level of a fucking Mack truck. (laughs) Just got stood up right at the line. Like, looked like Tommy was running the damn football. So, horrible. (laughs) Poor kid. Well, we're going to throw a bit of a curveball at you here tonight, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to start off with some banner, uh, kicking things old school, something we used to do in the past and thought we'd change it up. So that's what we'll start off with here. We'll go into the NFL and give you a little bit of insight on what happened in Week 12 and our thoughts on Week 13. A lot going on now that we are fully ramped up and kicked off in both college football and college basketball, so we've got a little bit of a breakdown and some highlights there for you. And lastly, we'll just wrap things up with some buzzer beaters and hopefully keep you guys entertained all the way through. So with that being said, we'll kick it right off. Since it was Thanksgiving, I just want to throw a fun fact out there. 45-plus million turkeys are killed a year for Thanksgiving. So poor little bastards, if you see them out there, they were the ones that survived. That's natural selection. Those are the strongest ones. So give them a little pat on the back if you can. (laughs) Next up. Something that has uh, been having me holding off for quite some time, but ready to make the move. Red Dead Redemption will be dropping 
their version of live, essentially Grand Theft Auto in the Wild West on November 29th. So I know that a few of the hosts in here tonight are super stoked about that, and I am also excited to see what is unveiled. Now, let's get into the thick of it. Harry briefly mentioned it. As of Sunday morning, I believe, uh, Dwight Howard was exposed for a tremendous amount of stuff. Uh, (laughs) Who really knows? (laughs) Yeah, who really knows? The fact of the matter is, this guy's been in the league forever, so props to him for having this swept under the rug. He clearly threw a lot of money uh, at this. He also is now being accused of threatening individuals for basically leaking this and saying that he would kill them, so I don't know if that's such a good look. Um, But the Wizards... they call a bad look. The Wizards uh, were able to beat the Pelicans the night before Dwight Howard was out with a I believe, like a butt injury, like basically a, a sore cheek. So, little bad timing for him. <laughs> and uh, basically, the story is is that an ex-boyfriend of his, uh, a transsexual individual, um, has come forward with images and text messages and recordings of him calling him after games uh, during you know the week. And exposing the fact that he's had, you know, numerous transsexual orgies and, and been a part of quite a secret little society. So wanted to hear what you thought about it, Harry. I'll kick it over to you first. Yeah, this is certainly one of the weirder sports stories to come out in, in a little while. Um, and, and at first glance, I was like, wow, this is obviously just pretty fucked up. But the more I thought about it, Dwight Howard's a weird dude, guys. You know, I think he always, weird he always has been. He's always been a little off. He's kind of like got this like weird immature mentality to him and so the more that i started to read the the tweets that were being put out by his uh ex companion i don't really know how to identify people anymore um because that's just a stupid world we <laughs> live a in good word companion yeah, yeah. ex companion uh and i was just like man this this kind of just makes sense and and the one thought i had is dwight howard needs to retire now right that's like how can you actually you might actually need to like retire and elope like to another country the <laughs> fact that he hasn't retired yet blows my mind like he he's not doing anything to the wizards they suck uh you know his career and now his personal life are in a downward spiral so his career's well been in a downward shit. spiral since he left the orlando magic yeah, yeah. he's well, he's been which i feel like was 25 years ago that's a whole nother bag of uh <laughs> But dude, how, like, how can you how can you actually dress up for a game, and then play without people endlessly, endlessly, endlessly chirping you, getting inside your head? You know what I mean? It's just it's just not good for business. And I don't know how you can ex- ever expect to play like a normal game. I mean, that's just way too much ammo for any player who's a shit talker. You know that that's all he ever needs. Right. Well, yeah, of course. That, I mean, I think if if Kobe had known this shit, dude, back in the day, oh my god. In fact. When I, I hope when time travel is invented, I'm going to go back and tell Kobe, like right before Dwight signs with the Lakers, like, dude, this, have you even heard about this guy? And just see what happens. <laughs> well, that's my, my whole issue behind it is like this is such a giant weight lifted off his shoulders that maybe he's just going to you know, find, find a resurgence in his career and he's going to carry the Wizards to a goddamn championship. I mean, if anything else, on, on the contrary, it definitely explains as to why he's never been able to win shit. Definitely, he's, he's a bit yeah. of a mental midget. He's got a lot. He's got a lot to think about. A lot going on up there, and basketball maybe not the number one priority. I mean, my my biggest issue with all of this is his transsexual boyfriend, what a girlfriend, whoever this companion is. Like, why do you have to go to Twitter and expose him for all this? Like, just any other basketball player, regardless of the situation, like. Do you really think that this guy that's a superstar and has made hundreds of millions of dollars is that only calls you when he's in town was ever going to settle down with you? No. No. Like, Fuck no. Stop trying to get in the limelight and get your, you know, get your free lunch. Let the man his, live his, his life. His companion should have literally sent a text. Maybe he did, and, and we just don't know, and said, hey, here's the deal. Uh, I'm going to put your ass on blast, no pun intended. Or, <laughs> but sort of. Yeah, but sort of, no pun intended. Uh, or you just write me a check for X millions of dollars and game over. You know, Dwight would have signed a check and boom. You know, but who knows? Uh, I think we'll obviously see more that plays out. But if you haven't seen it yet, we've posted it on our end of regulation Instagram. Uh, and obviously, we'll continue to follow up as we hear more information. 
One thing last to touch upon in the banner, I did want to highlight, I just purchased uh, a new coffee table book, not a real book because I don't know how to read, um, but it is called I Know You Think You Know It All by Chris Black. And this individual just spits absolute truth, even though Tom disagrees with one of the statements. I pulled together a couple. There are about 450 of them, so I'll kind of read them throughout the week. The ones that really kind of highlighted uh, or stood out to me, I should say, this week were if you are using the word amazeballs, the term amazeballs, you're an idiot, period. I would agree. I haven't heard that before, so I would agree. Well, really, I'm going to go ahead and slap the uh, kill yourself tag on that <laughs> and, and the next one that you're about to read. Yeah, uh, the next one is bad. Never FaceTime in public unless it is like you're got somebody. Actually, Someone's no. giving birth. Scratch that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is no excuse for FaceTiming in public. And those that are walking in the streets, if you see them, smack their fucking phone out of their hand. And mainly it's the biggest disturbance, you know, on the subway, on a train, on a plane, in the airport. In the fucking library, for Christ's sake. I mean, come on, people. Right, chicks, so you going to libraries every Seriously. once in a while now? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I used to in school, you know. I've, I've been to a library before. He God. still goes and checks out VHS. I, I agree with Mazeballs. If you say it, just don't. Uh, I have I, I have been a culprit of FaceTiming in public, so I'm going to... Uh, Uh-oh! So I'm going to stand by this one. I'm going to stand by this one. Um, you know, sometimes you just want to show people some cool shit, you know. He's a city kid. Just a city kid. The uh, the next on my list, and I guess there's <clears throat> there's a bit of a bending to the rule here. I guess it's just with your friends, and you're just trying to do them <clears throat> a service. Fine. Uh, but correcting the grammar of others doesn't make you seem intelligent. It actually just makes you seem like a fucking asshole. So just keep that in mind the next time that you know you you correct somebody uh in terms of the grammar whether it's face-to-face or over facebook both of which are just brutal and uh that's all we got for this week i'll keep the last one off the list because tom wasn't a huge fan of it at all and and that kind of disappoints me but well we can we can roll with it now you've been teasing it long enough just let it go yeah so uh it is said that there is nothing better than a girl who can roll blunt would like to hear what you all think about that. Tom completely disagrees. I think if you got a girl who fucks with the vision and she can roll a blunt, you know you could probably slap a ring on it. Can, I mean, you say that, but your girlfriend can't roll a blunt. Well, that was that was my, my entire yeah, answer she gets is down. pending on that. Can Taylor roll a blunt? Tay, answer no. us. No. <laughs> no. That's a no. Okay. I'll answer four. Okay, good. That's a hard no, dog. Um, it would be It's cool. never too late to learn. It, it would definitely be cool if you found a down-ass down chick who could roll a blunt. Uh, I personally haven't dated any chicks that could roll blunts, but it turns out most of the friends I like to keep who are girls that I'm not dating, they better be able to roll blunts. Otherwise, we're not going to be hanging out a, a whole lot. So there, yeah. there is a fine line there. I, I just well, this, I think it's just fucking trashy. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, right. And, All right, to each his own. And, uh, I'm not I take, necessarily I take, saying it's sexy. I take pride in rolling my own blunts. So I'll leave it. Yeah. There. Well, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think I've also transitioned onto a more sophisticated version, and, and that's just straight up doinks. Big doinks. Um, all right. Well, last one I got here is a quick shout out to Michael Perry uh, because I know how much you listen to our podcast. Uh, you need to buy a fucking bed frame if you're putting your mattress on the floor. It is completely unacceptable. Grow is, up. Is there? Man. There's got to be a. There's got to be an age. You know, like once you graduate college and your mattress is still yeah. on the floor. Once you've graduated you're college. Not, you're not I'm, doing I'm, things right. I'll even be fairly liberal with this one and just call it 24 years old. Yeah, honestly. I mean, I think like college, perfectly acceptable. But you Sometimes graduate you college. you got to studio it up in an apartment. I get that for a year or two. But yeah, when you, you turn got a, 24, you got a you nine to five. Frame, yeah, nine to five and don't have a, a bed frame. I, I'm not. You're, you get the cut off the friends list. But let's go ahead and roll straight into the NFL, talk about what these people want to hear. Week 12 rundown. I'll let, you, uh, I'll let you in on a little secret. The temperature is getting colder in Cleveland, but Baker and the Browns are heating up, baby. That's right. Wanted to hear what you guys think about this. <clears throat> we recently touched upon Hugh Jackson getting the boot. Uh, don't let the door hit you uh, on the way out. Baker has basically said... We're not worried about him knowing our play plans. 
went into Sunday's game against the Cincinnati Bengals, where Hugh Jackson actually ended up after leaving the Browns uh, and got stomped. So they clearly don't need the clown. It's clearly what they needed to do to start winning some more games. Wanted to see if you guys wanted to touch upon that before we kind of throw out some other uh, NFL recaps this week. Yeah, I mean, we were on this as a team. We were on this early, uh, you know, early on in the season. After a tie and some tough losses and an OT loss, we were just like, why, why in the hell is Hugh Jackson still here? Um, I think you can clearly see after rattling off back-to-back wins, blowing out the Bengals, who are a fairly respectable team this season, um, the Browns made the right move. I mean, their offense looks like an entirely new offense, which is hilarious because in the beginning of the season and on hard knocks, you know, Hugh Jackson was all about being more involved in the offense because that's sort of what kind of coach he is. Well, he is an idiot. Um, the Browns looked good this week. I mean, what, what else is there to say? Also, you know, you got the you got the lovely Baker Mayfield stiff job on Hugh Jackson at midfield after the game. That was awesome to see. Yeah, I'm, I'm obviously – uh, as you all know, a big Baker fan. I thought, you know, in the beginning I wasn't going to really play into the hype. I thought he was kind of a shithead, but the guy's come out. He's handled himself well. He's been professional. Um, you know, he's now moving the needle and hopefully going to get these guys to, you know, that 500 mark. I know Brent last week or maybe two weeks ago said you expected them to finish at 500, maybe just a little bit over. But, you know, after these last two wins, it seems like they might be able to get this done. That is to get over 500, not right. I mean, anything shit. more we're, than that. We're, we're pulling for them. Uh, as, a, as, as a company, EOR is pulling for Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns in a weird way, even though none of us have any ties to Cleveland or Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I'll, I'll continue to ride that train. Uh, well, next, uh, because I know how much he loves to talk about Nathan Peterman, um, even though he is no longer there, the Bills are still fucking terrible. Uh, and so I wanted to turn it over to Harry Douglas to talk a little bit about the Jags-Bills scrappy uh, matchup this weekend. I mean, it's just it's certainly the case of just two teams who suck and are just frustrated. And, and uh, you know, I think it's – I always love seeing a good fight, but um, it, it's kind of stupid when it's just two teams who are just, you know, headed for – headed very quickly for the offseason. Uh, you know, obviously we saw Leonard Fournette who – when he's not injured, apparently just likes getting suspended. You know, you got a question at this point if the guy even likes playing football. Um, and so, you know, apologies to anyone who owns him in fantasy because the guy's an absolute travesty. Uh, really talented player, but he's just, a, you know, he's just an idiot when it comes down to it. Um, but the really, the, the one thing I wanted to touch on because this guy just needs to go crawl into a dark corner and, and you know, think about what he's said is Jalen Ramsey. You know, the guy just goes off all offseason long. Apparently at the game he was calling people trash. And then you go out and, and you get and you lose to the Buffalo Bills and you lose to Josh Allen, who you gave all sorts of shit to uh, preseason. So, you know, karma's a bitch. Jalen Ramsey, you know, see you later, buddy. That guy's going to be out of Jacksonville yeah, sooner I mean, than later. This is like say, battle in his of defense, the though. Allen Allen was trash. I mean, he uncorked a seventy-five yard pass in the first quarter. Obviously, that went for a TD. But other than that, he completed only seven more passes in the entire game. He had eight completions in the entire game out of 19 attempts, and he had 160 yards passing. So outside of that one long, you know, big-time play, he is he was trash in this one particular game. But, yeah, like you said, that's, that's karma in a big, big way for Jalen Ramsey and the Jags. Well, here's, here's a quick question for you guys uh, in, in kind of talking with the theme of the Jags. Uh, is this the end of Blake Bortles' career? Definitely. I mean, they, they fired their offensive coordinator, and the interim guy, his immediate first move was to bench Blake Bortles. I think that just speaks to what everybody was waiting for as soon as Nathaniel Hackett was gone. or I, I think it was like, you know, just process in the making here. And when you look at this team, they do have weapons. They have D.D. Westbrook. Uh, obviously, uh, with a healthy Leonard Fournette, they, they can move the ball efficiently. And I, I just even think, without Fournette, I mean, Yeldon can hold his own too. Yeah, right. Know, so I think, He's a respectable backup. Um, I think a lot of it falls on the shoulders of Blake Bortles. Um, un- unfortunately, they're not going to have uh, Fournette for this week. My my one question in all of this is, who does Leonard Fournette think he is attacking Shaq Lawson? He's the biggest dude on either team. Like who were you kidding, he, dude? He kind of he kind of bodied them though a little bit. Like I mean, he, he was the one pushing them around. He got him up against the wall, and then the entire way into the locker room, they even showed him in the tunnel, 
and Lawson was just like, let's go, let's do it. And Fournette was just, you know, giving him the, the high road, like wave, just taunting him. But if, if they were, you know, man-to-man at the 50-yard line, I think Shaq Lawson would rip his fucking face off. The, the last thing I'll say about the Jags is I think in three or four years, um, you know, when, when this defense has sort of been disrupted, you know, they already traded away Dante Fowler this year. Uh, there have been talks about trading away Jalen Ramsey uh, this season. Um, and when you and I think in a few years when you sort of look back at what they had on the defensive side of the ball plus Fournette and what they were able to accomplish last year with Bortles, you know, they extended him after going to the AFC Championship game. They extended his contract, and they pretty much passed up on – one of the best quarterback draft classes that that I've been alive for, you know, in in this last year's draft between Mayfield and Lamar Jackson, the dude from the Jets, you know, you had Josh Allen, you had Josh Rosen, all of these guys, and, you know, the Jags, they made their move, they stuck with their guy, and now, you know, just just 12 games later or whatever, they're they're benching him and his career is pretty much done. So going to probably be one of the all-time football uh, management gaffes, coming from Jacksonville, which you kind of love to see. I mean, honestly, I, I'm hoping Cody Kessler the best. Uh, I hope, you know, honestly, I, don't, I, I think he could honestly walk out there and throw the ball straight up in the air and do a better job. Blake Bortles, as we posted, had 70, has a career of 74 interceptions, which is an NFL record. Most interceptions uh, since he started in 2007, uh, 2014. Sorry. Um, so pretty abysmal. Um, I was looking at some other stats. This is kind of like off topic, though, of interceptions. Brett Favre has something like 365 interceptions with yeah, 506 he's, he's certified touchdowns. Gunslinger. Yeah, so, so just to put it into perspective, pretty crazy. Um, but on the topic of quarterbacks, uh, would love to pitch this one over to Tom to talk to us a little bit about what the fuck the Colts were thinking this weekend. Um, taking advantage of their QB, Andrew Luck. Yeah, I mean, they're slinging him out there like he's this elite athlete. He, he's a big dude, but he's uh, heavy-footed, and they're throwing him out for fucking you know, screen routes and quarterback option pass plays. It's like, this dude is made of fucking glass. He's been hurt for the, most of the last two years with a broken shoulder, or God knows what. And then he's out there going head-to-head with the linebacking core, of these other teams, it's like stop fucking throwing this guy the ball. You have T.Y. Hilton. You got three fucking tight ends. You have a good running back in Marlon Mack. You have players to throw the ball to. Like you are not the type of quarterback that should be getting passes. Um, so I don't really know what's going on there with the offensive coordinating calls. I know I, I respect the the aggressiveness, but when you're rolling like Andrew Luck has been, he's had an excellent you know five or six last games. Uh, he took a while to warm up to, you know, getting back into the swing of things. But the Colts are rolling right now, and you don't need to do all these creative plays. You're hanging, like, 30 fucking points a game. Just keep running your offense and keep your quarterback behind your big fucking lineman. Like, what are you doing? Correct. Couldn't agree more. I mean, the video of him, he, he got pretty legitimately jacked he, up. He yeah. did, he did like, not give himself open, up at all. I opened Twitter to see that, the you know, the viral tweet where someone was like, you know, Here's how the Colts are using their quarterback who spent the last two seasons with a shoulder injury, and he just took an absolute chin rocket, you know. So um, credit for the first down for the play. He went up and made the grab, but, yeah, catch the ball, get down, buckle, and he took a huge hit. Don't die, please. Well, um, in some uplifting news, the the GOAT of the week, and this is going to be the only time uh, in the history – or in the longevity of end of regulation that I will ever uh, give the thumbs up or say anything positive about anything that comes out of Pennsylvania. Um, Shout out to Mike Tomlin, head coach for the Steelers, um, who was trailing by a touchdown this past weekend against the Broncos. What does he do? Throws a trick play, excuse me, uh, to Alejandro Villanueva. Uh, who was a former Army Ranger and received the Bronze Star for Valor. Um, Got him in there, got him a TD. Guy was absolutely stoked. And so for that, Mike Tomlin, I tip my hat to you, my friend. Anybody who is a fan of the, uh, the Marine Corps, the Armed Services, and U.S., the great U.S. of A., you are a friend of mine. So for this week, you are my friend. Next week, go fuck yourself. Harry Douglas, do you want to talk to us a little bit about 
our boy Saquon? Yeah, uh, absolutely I do. Uh, you mean the best running back in the NFL, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> uh, Saquon Barkley is all of the hype and more, um, and he just proves it week after week. Uh, another two touchdowns uh, this past week, 100-plus yard, all-purpose yards. That's through the air and running. Uh, yeah, so uh, Giants went up 19-3 in the first half, and for whatever reason, the Giants, just being the, the New York Giants, decided to pretty much you know put themselves in cruise control against the, the division rival Eagles. This is in the midst of the Giants trying to like salvage a season, which seemed at, you know not too long ago, two weeks ago, unsalvageable. Um, but they finally started to turn it around, and, and the rest of the division is starting to um, kind of come together uh, in terms of just records and, and making it a pretty interesting playoff push um but up 19 to 3 the giants let the eagles right back into the game they ended up losing by three points in just the most giants fashion ever man it's it, it seems to happen all the time and i don't know i know we've had coaching changes so it's it can't be the coaching uh, i mean obviously at the end of the day you have that's you know who you have to blame but they just seem to do this year in and year out and always seems to happen against the Eagles. Everyone probably remembers the, the game against the uh, Eagles you know, a bunch of years back uh, where Deshaun Jackson re- returned the field goal attempt for touchdown to, uh, to lose the game and which actually ended up pushing the Giants out of the playoffs that year. Um, but this, you know, this, is just, this is just how things go for the Giants. It's clockwork, really. You know, we've got all the talent in the world. You know, things seem to be on the up and up this season and and uh, they just go and they pretty much blow it away, and uh, and so now it's back into the whole like okay, let's let's try to make a top five draft pick. Well, so let me play devil's advocate here, and we've obviously talked about it a bunch. Obviously, the O line being a huge missing component of what we've what we need. <clears throat> um, however, we've seen Eli, we've seen Saquon, and we've seen Odell get it done without that O line. Um, you know, we, we've managed to obviously win a couple games here uh, and start to seemingly get back on track and, and hopefully at least to a 500 season. Um, but wanted to hear kind of what your thoughts were. If it isn't coaching, you know, if it is in the O-line or maybe it is both, you know, what really needs to change going into this next season for us to actually have some kind of faith uh, for, you know, a, a new football season? Um, well, you know, you can, you can point to coaching and obviously, you know, they have to take some of the blame. That's how, that's how football works. That's how all sports work. Uh, but granted, it's Pat Shermer's first year as head coach. He is the play caller in that offense. You got to give him the benefit of the doubt that he'll he'll get the ship turned around. Uh, I still like Pat Shermer. I like the way he handles players. Um, as you can see, Odell's had a big character change this past year, and I think a lot of that has to do with the new coaching staff and how they handle uh, their players and player management. Um, but yeah, man, they got to go and just just draft uh, draft an O line and draft the top O lineman that's going to be in this next draft class. And to start building that up, uh, I think the Giants should go and try to sign Teddy Bridgewater this offseason to be the successor to Eli Manning. I think Teddy Bridgewater is a very capable quarterback. Uh, I think he proved that this preseason with the Jets. Um, and so I think that's, those are the first steps that they need to take to really get the ship back on track. Uh, New York Giant football does not consist of you know, having 3-13 and 13 seasons, 2-14, and 14, whatever the case might be. So those are the first couple moves that I would do. Um, obviously, I'm not a GM, but that, that's that's certainly where I would look to start. Well, um, hopefully, you know things will begin to shape up because New York is having a fucking tough time with sports. So uh, I'll turn over the mic to Shakes, who's going to talk to us a little bit about an injury update. Yeah, um, we got our boy Melvin Gordon out of uh, Los Angeles. You know, Charger stud right now they've been having a hell of a season uh, a surprising season I've always been a Philip Rivers hater uh, as as a player not as a person uh, I just think the Chargers have always been laughable um, you know considering they have uh, what many people consider a great quarterback or whatever and they they just are ass year after year but you know this year I've definitely been shut up by them they've been one of the elite teams you know top five in the power rankings nearly all season uh, so this is huge for them. Uh, Gordon going down with an MCL injury, uh, gonna miss it, you know, the whole season at this point. I, as a matter of fact, I think that was pretty much confirmed uh, today. He is he's out for the long haul, so they're gonna have to find an answer at running back if they want to be a threat uh, in the AFC, you know, playoff hunt. Got to got to be able to beat the Patriots and the Chiefs, and it's gonna be tough to do that without uh, without your cowbell. How badly does this tamper their ability to get into the um, into the playoffs? Uh. 
I mean, I think as far as they've they've been elite enough um, all around the ball offensively to to sort of you know hopefully be able to patch this up and take care of business at least limping into the playoffs. They also have a slight cushion right now in the um, you know in the wild card race, um, and obviously the big threat is the Chiefs. But uh, you know, as far as as far as actually making a run in the playoffs, that's that's all that anyone really cares about, and I think this this hampers them big time you know i think this is a huge hit to them well that is well that, that is all we have for you uh this week for the week 12 recap highlights injury reports might as well transition very smoothly into putting some money into your pockets and helping you get off so here to help us do that this week is tommy lasagna for beating the bookie just for your knowledge uh, end of regulations picks this season are sitting at 39 and 25, or 61 percent. Professionals are claiming to sit at about 60 percent. So, do the math. If your bank account's at capacity, go ahead and skip through it. But I recommend you fucking subscribe. Tommy, take it away. Yeah, I mean, this is going back to that same discussion we had earlier about the the mattress without a a frame. If, if you're a functioning adult and you're not betting on football, then you're just fucking doing something wrong. I don't know what you do on Sunday. But, uh, yeah, we're going to try and look to I- increase our our yields on the year. I got uh, four logs on the fire this week. Grimes, Grimes, you got some picks for us too? Uh, I don't have any picks this week. I, I will uh, oh. I'll post some on to, to Instagram because I just haven't had a chance to uh, really take a, a deep look at it. <laughs> well, make sure Good, that I'll, you step in if you have any. In case uh, you hang over. If, you have, if you disagree with any of his picks, make sure you jump in there. Yeah. All right. Well, then, I guess I'll uh, run through these swimmingly here. Uh, my first pick, I'm taking Atlanta, two and a half. They're, they're actually underdogs uh, versus Baltimore. Uh, You've got to love a home dog, in the words of Michael Porter. You've got to love a home dog, and... I th- I I just I know Atlanta's been up and down this year. I'm not sold on Baltimore. Everybody's riding this Lamar Jackson high, uh, but if you really watch his last couple games, it's been the defense. Like the the Ravens had a sizable win last week uh, against Oakland, but that included uh, two defensive touchdowns against Oakland. Like, are you? And it's Oakland. Yeah, I mean, are, you can't really count. I that. mean, they had. They had Suggs run one in on them, so yeah. Oakland is just piss poor. That's what I mean. I'm surprised. I'm surprised Suggs doesn't play in a fucking wheelchair at this point. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he's not only is he the ugliest player in the NFL, he's probably one of the oldest. But I just, I, I think that the Baltimore hype is a little too much right now. Uh, give me Atlanta at home. Uh, I know, I know this sounds crazy, but I kind of want to take Jacksonville plus three and a half. Um, as well, they're at home uh, holsting the Colts, and I know this is probably a stupid pick, uh, but the Colts are on fire, so to speak. They've been winning, but it seems that everybody has trouble when they go down to Jacksonville, and I think with all the firing and the benching, it's going to you know cause a bit of an uproar, and I think Jacksonville covers three and a half and maybe even sneaks out a win um, against an indie team that sort of relies on you know, keeping Andrew Luck unpressured. I think Jacksonville at home is going to fire it up um, and, and and get to Luck. So Jacksonville plus three and a half. Um, let's see what else. I got a couple overs for you. It's always fun to play the over. Don't be a coward and take the under. Uh, I'm taking the Cleveland and Houston over 45. Uh, we hinted at it earlier. The Browns are rolling right now. Uh, and since the firing of Hugh Jackson, Baker Mayfield has thrown for nine touchdowns and only one interception, which is, uh, you know, the Baker Mayfield of Oklahoma. Yeah, elite. I'll say it. We'll say it. Um, and obviously the tight, the Texans, excuse me, are rolling right now. Uh, just a juggernaut of an offensive squad. Take the over. Um, and then lastly, this is a bit of a simple metric play here. Uh, I'm going to take the over 56 in Tampa Bay and Carolina, and here's why. Uh, Tampa Bay and Carolina are actually two of the best teams against the spread this year. They are tied uh, one and two with a few other teams. Uh, Tampa over is eight and three this year, and the Carolina over is seven and four. So I think we just ride trends into this weekend, and, and we take the over. Fuck it. Why not, you know? I like it. 
Don't be fucking soft. Get your money in now. Just remember. See uh, the profits. Uh, I, I like to say this from time to time. Just remember that good teams win, but great teams cover. <laughs> I like that. Well, as always, Tommy, we appreciate the beating the bookie segment. Hopefully these picks pan out and we can get a little money in all of yours pockets and increase our record for the season. Let's go ahead and transition very smoothly into a little bit of college football. Uh, We saw some incredible games that we're going to touch upon, give you a little bit of a highlight on what we think should be uh, kind of the breakdown in terms of the teams going to the playoffs. Uh, And starting off with just an absolute ass-whooping from Ohio State, taking down Michigan, wanting to see and hear from you all if you think they deserve that number one spot. Boys. Uh, absolutely not. You know, Bama is still still the king. Um, Bama reigns supreme, really, until anything happens. Uh, they they had some tough sledding in the, sec- in the first half uh, in the Iron Bowl, you know, versus Auburn, and then they just came out and did what Bama does and finished the game out uh, by blowing Auburn out of the water. Uh, in the meantime, of course, as you just mentioned, o- Ohio State, I think they were four, four-and-a-half-point dogs at home. Uh, who knows when the last damn time uh, the Buckeyes were – underdogs in the horseshoe um this was looking like michigan's most complete team in a while with shea patterson like leading the offense you know the former old miss stud and then um meyer just did what he does sold a soul to the devil after after having a good little tit for tat early in the game uh osu just wiped the floor with uh what was left of michigan the entire rest of the game i think they hung 60 plus points on them uh the most points ever scored in this rivalry game uh, the main thing, you know, you're talking about the number one seed, which is Bama's uh, until something bad happens. What really matters um, in the AP poll, they, they bumped Oklahoma up to number five. Ohio State moved up to number six. And I'm interested to see uh, when the college football playoff poll comes out, um, if they don't bump Bama or Ohio State up into that five spot o- ahead of Oklahoma. That's really what's going to matter. Obviously, Bama and Georgia are going to have to play, so one of those teams is going to get bumped, and that number five team is going to be the one waiting, you know, for that for that number four seed. Um, I don't see Oklahoma or Ohio State losing again, so all that really matters is that ranking. So I didn't get to see the entirety of the game. I saw bits and pieces of it, but wanted to kind of get your all, all of y'all's insight on kind of what happened here. Obviously, this was supposed to be a fairly competitive matchup. We've talked... Um, quite fondly about Michigan in in past episodes, uh, seeing them as kind of a legitimate threat. And it was just clear that OSU, whether it's in general for the entire season or just this past weekend, they were the dominant team and and there just stood absolutely no fucking chance. No. Yeah. I mean, this, this Ohio state team is legit and I don't know why everybody's been so against them. They're 11 and one. And they have a legitimate offense. Dwayne Haskins, his name should be thrown around for the Heisman candidate because he leads college football with 42 touchdown passes. He only has seven interceptions all season. And the best part, a 69% completion rating. I mean, this this offense is the real <laughs> deal. Uh, the, all of their woes have been on defense. And, you know, why they... They, they sort of tend to play down to their opponents. I think they also can play up when, you know, when the, the time is right. And a, a lot of teams have, like, that, that one loss. And I think Ohio State had it earlier at Purdue. So, you know, a, a big primetime environment, and it kind of shook them up. Uh, but this was their, you know, their time to shine at home and prove to all of the college football voters that they deserve to be number four. Um, and I, you know, I'm I'm with Ohio State. I had them in the beginning or the the midseason breakdown that I know all of our listeners read on our website. Um, but I I like Ohio State moving forward, and I think they just you know they showed everybody on the biggest stage why you know they are Big Ten champions or soon to be Big Ten champions. They're gonna roll Northwestern. Yeah, pray pray for Northwestern. I feel bad for that team. Let me ask you guys something uh, before we kind of transition into the matchup between Bama and Georgia this week. Um, do you think that there is any kind of raise for concern uh, that there are a 
fair amount of undefeated teams that consistently find themselves uh, season over season just maybe not necessarily having all that much of a tough schedule or recruitment is just on point uh, and stacking these teams with just pure talent. But wanted to kind of hear what you guys think about rearranging schedules, putting some of these teams like UCF, uh, you know, against harder matchups or, or, I mean, Bama, just nobody stands a fucking chance. But, you know, Clemson at 12-0 and and, and Notre Dame at 12-0. and Thoughts on that? Well, I, I will say, you know, with UCF, it, if you want to, like, if, you've, if UCF really wants to prove themselves, it's up to them to go schedule these games versus, you know, power sort of, five teams. But I, I, will, I will go to bat for them quickly, of course, and I'll let you make your point. But teams have to, when it comes to, like, a sort of a non-power five school like that, you know, big schools are, are scared of that loss. They really are. You know, like UCF, I'm, I'm sure they probably haven't fought all that hard to schedule a big-time game like a season opener with Alabama or USC or whomever. But at the same time, let's let's say that maybe they have tried maybe fifty percent. There also aren't a whole lot of teams who are who are willing to walk into game one or two of the season and face a fucking twenty four straight win UCF team and like risk it all early on. So so it it's sort of tit for tat. Like they other schools have to be willing to play them too. But yeah, they they could certainly have a harder schedule. That's for sure. They they need a Syracuse or someone like that. Yeah, exactly. Then that's totally fair. And I and I get that. It is it's. Uh, it's tough for a team to say, you know, especially like Alabama, who plays a tough schedule. Granted, exactly. you know, if you look at their their non conference schedules, it's a, it's pretty much a joke, right? But that's because all of their conference SEC games, games are yeah. pretty tough games, and yeah, exactly. And, and any which one of those they can, you know, they could slip and and take a take a loss. Um, but yeah, man, it, you know, with you know, as far as like Clemson and Notre Dame go, Notre Dame is interesting because they they actually play tough teams. They kind of just ran into a, a season where. Those tough teams yeah, weren't sure. as good as they normally are. You look at like US, USC Miami. and Stanford and things <laughs> like that. Um, my, Miami, they didn't play them this year. Last time they played, Miami just blew the doors off of them. Uh, you know, was there for that one, Shake, so were you. Um, but Clemson, Clemson, you know, they play a pretty decent schedule too. They play an ACC schedule, and granted, it was certainly a down year for the ACC. Um, you know, they Clemson is actually that good of a team. You know, they're going to be the the toughest test for Alabama, and uh, and that's just the way it goes. I mean, at the end of the day, it sounds cliche to say this, but it's kind of just the nature of the beast. You know, if you schedule hard games and you win your games, you know, you're going to reap the benefits of, of of that, and and ultimately make the playoff. If you decide to play a cupcake schedule, then you're probably not going to be able to make it into the college football playoff, and you're, but you're still going to get like a, you know. The top ten bowl game, so it's 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 totally up to them how they want to how they want to do it. So that's why UCF that. isn't going to be able well. To make it. I think that's the perfect uh, way to kind of transition into uh, you know a team that has obviously continuously been undefeated season after season, but as well as just been peak in terms of recruitment. Uh, Alabama, who will be facing Georgia this weekend. Um, let's hear what you guys have to say about this, Tommy. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's awesome for Georgia where, you know, they're sitting just on the cusp of, you know, being in or being out of the college football playoff. Uh, they got the number four ranking this week, which is, you know, it, 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 it kind of sucks for them, honestly, because if they win, that's great. But if, if they lose, which everybody and their mother is betting that's going to happen, uh, you know, they're outed from the playoff. Even if it's a close game, there's just absolutely no way that Georgia can lose this week. And I mean, Georgia's been playing the best ball of their season. They've been scoring a ton. Uh, they wiped Georgia Tech last week in a game that a lot of people were looking at it as a, a possible trip game, um, or, or at least it being close, and at, at no point was it close. But, I'm, I mean, I just don't see how they're going to beat Alabama. Alabama is, you know, they, they don't have a weakness, and they exploit all of yours. Uh, Jake Fromm has looked, you know, uh, inconsistent in terms of accuracy this year. He's been a lot, really back and forth. Um, and, I mean, if if Alabama is going to roll into the Iron Bowl and just mop Auburn, and I get that Auburn's been a down team, but, like, every year the Iron Bowl seems to be close or at, at least unexpected. And they fucking blew him out. They, mur- they murdered Auburn. It was close for about a half, which is what you can say for most Alabama games. And then the second half, they just remembered who who they were, 
and, and fucked them up. I don't really have a better way of putting do you think, it. They just fucked them up. Do you up. think at this point, Saban's just kind of like, hey, let them, let them put a couple points on the board? Yeah, I'm, I'm betting Saban just bets the, his opponent every first half bet and then just cleans them up in the second half. That's <laughs> Man, what a theory. I love that That has theory, to be actually. what's been going I'm, on. I'm all in on because that. Because it happened this week. I'm all in on it that. It happened this week against Auburn. It happened the week before against the Citadel. Uh, his $8 million salary isn't enough, so he's got money on the line every weekend, Why not too. double that down? Awesome. That's amazing. Um, well, it's it seems like the dog season is coming to an end, uh, unfortunately, playing Bama, which leaves it, obviously, uh, to Oklahoma and Ohio State. Correct. So with that being said, what are your thoughts there? Obviously, we've touched a little bit upon OSU and the absolute shellacking they put on Michigan this past weekend. Um, but I know Tom, you know, in the past has been uh, pretty hyped on this Oklahoma team. So I want to hear you guys kind of chat about that. I mean, my, my entire thing with Oklahoma is, uh, you know, of course, they've, they've been playing some of the best ball. They've got one of the best playmakers and quarterbacks and just football players, period, uh, in the entire NCAA in Kyler Murray. Um, and, and they've been doing their thing, you know, what Oklahoma always does, which is score 60 points a game, but at the same time they've been having 58 scored on them. So um, that that's the one place where I'm scared. You know, they, they blow out lesser teams, but when you, when you look across the board and you look at Oklahoma or uh, Ohio State, you look at Alabama, you look at Georgia, you look at Clemson, you know, those, those teams blow out team teams. And, and Oklahoma, I feel like any time they get in a game with a real team, it's, it's a shootout. Um, as you know, evident by made evident by you know the Texas game, the Oklahoma State game, and many more. Um, I think when it comes down to you know when you find yourself in the playoffs, you have to be able to play defense. You know what I mean? Like it, Georgia, you stack any of those teams against Oklahoma, and as long as you can get some stops, but you can keep your offense to scoring like it always has been all season because they can't play any defense. You know that's that's what makes the difference. So. Uh, we'll see if that's how it plays out. Of course, people have been wrong before. You know, everyone thought the same thing about Oregon back in the uh, very first season of the playoff, and they made it to the national championship game. So uh, we'll see what happens with the Oklahoma, the Ohio State. Like I said, that little uh, five and six ranking, that's really something to watch for as the college football playoff poll comes out uh, because that's going to make all the difference with, with whoever loses this um, Georgia-Alabama game. The only way both of those teams, Oklahoma and OSU, get in is if two teams in the top four lose, you know. So it's going to take a stumble by Clemson in the ACC championship game. It's going to take, you know, a loss by one of those SEC teams or a loss by Notre Dame. So two of those teams have to go down. Who do you think would be a, uh, a bigger offensive juggernaut against the, an Alabama team, Oklahoma or OSU? Yeah. I think Ohio State. Um, Ohio Biker State would have more success. Quarterback and their running game uh, would stand a much better chance against Alabama than, than – uh, Oklahoma. I don't know. I don't know, man. The last, I, you know, when I think of Kyler Murray, he's got a very Johnny Manziel esque style of play, and we know we know what happened when Johnny Manziel uh, played uh, Alabama. You know, probably what point. was that five years ago now, and uh, he took him down. So you know, obviously, a much different personnel, much different. You know, a lot of different players, all different players actually, but stylistically. I think Kyler, Kyler Murray would give that Alabama defense Tom's a, a lot of problems. What do you got for us? And I don't think uh, – No, I mean, I've, I've already made my case for Dwayne Haskins being better than both of those quarterbacks. Um, and, and I think Brent brings up a great point where if if you have to account for, you know, this fucking 300-pound quarterback running at you, it's going to really change up your schemes. Uh, and Ohio State actually plays defense, but – the the issue, assuming both teams went out, and it's not a given yet because Oklahoma is playing Texas, and if you bring it back earlier this season, Texas upset Oklahoma once this season. So it's not a shoe win for Oklahoma. But if we're assuming both teams are getting in, I or both teams are winning their respective divisions, I I find it very hard for the committee to pass up a number four versus number one. Oklahoma and Alabama matchup where Kyler Murray and Tua Tagovailoa are going at it. I, I mean, that is just what the people want. They're your Heisman front runners. I I think that's unfortunately what's going to happen. As much as I'd love to see the Buckeyes get in, and it's like you you can't have Ohio State get in over Oklahoma considering all of the 
the shame that they brought to the 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 call, call uh, excuse me that they brought to college football uh, earlier in the preseason. So they they hate winning. Yeah, I mean, that's a fact. Yeah. Very true. Yeah, I mean, you know, like you know, the the whole college football playoff committee, their whole thing is the best four teams are going to be in in those spots. But at the end of the day, like you know, that politics are going to come into play here. The NCAA is not very happy with Urban Meyer right now, and like you said, Kyler Murray versus Tua, not going to pr- try to pronounce his last name, is is the matchup everybody wants to see. It's going to be a super high scoring game, take you would the think. Over. Um, and are you I, talking about Tua Tua Ballsack? That's it. Yeah, that's yeah, that's it. it. Tua Tua Ballsack. I think that's a great point that's by both you guys. Uh, you know, when it's this even, if it were this even, you know, if everything happens the way we think it's going to happen, and then you're looking at two teams tied for the number four spot. You know, Oklahoma, OSU, I, I do think politics come into play. Urban Meyer is the devil, so surely to God they'll make the right choice. He's that's, the that's devil. Point. Also, uh, just quickly, uh, a reminder that Notre Dame does not have a conference game, so they have essentially locked themselves so they're in, in at at least number three. Yeah. Correct. Well, I will uh, go ahead and wrap things up here quickly, and any last notes from you all are welcome. Though we wanted to give a, sh- a quick shout-out and uh, more of like an RIP to UFC quarterback Mackenzie Milton, uh, who didn't shit. You what did you say? Or, sorry, UCF. UCF. Sorry, UCF. UCF. <laughs> uh, UCF's quarterback, uh, Mackenzie Milton, didn't, didn't just shatter his leg, but it, it, I think it just imploded. I think it just blew up into dust, uh, essentially, right under his knee. It was horrific. He gave a thumbs up. Uh, after being carted off and, and having quite a large brace put on. But I think it's game over for this kid. Uh, he is a savage. Like Tom said, probably gets off about two times a day. But uh, his football days <laughs> may be limited after something that gruesome. It was, like, bar none, the worst, most disgusting injury of any kind I've ever seen. Really? Worse, wow, worse, than, worse than, like... Worse than an Alex Smith, Derrick Rose, it was, Hayward. It was Alex. Willis McGahee. Oh, that's actually a good contender. But to put it in perspective, it was Alex Smith, but at like just under his knee. So his entire shin was just rubber. Christ. It was fl- it was ah. flopping around like a fish out of water. My God. Shout out. Uh, I'm going to go watch that one because I haven't seen it. But also, yeah, shout out to that uh, old school Miami Willis McGahee highlight, highlight. I know Harry knows what's up. Ah, I'm dude, go, don't bring everyone it Everyone go watch that and you, then get throw up your... You might, uh, you might want to take like a deep inhale of like some Gorilla Glue or like a yeah. whip it before you watch it because you need to be completely brain dead to watch it over and over again. Yeah, rough. But uh, with that being said, we'll transition out of college football and right into some college basketball. Three out of the four have been riding the Duke hype, one of whom has not, and he is here to express his feelings. Tom, talk to us a little bit about Duke this past weekend. Uh, they lost. Turns out <laughs> turns out uh, these 18-year-old kids do not know how to play team ball when time, you know, when push comes to shove. Uh, and they were just trying to do the same thing over and over again and they were just essentially trying to just dunk it as hard as they could over these Gonzaga guys. Uh, and it, it didn't work. Obviously, they they lost to Gonzaga who is now the number 1 seed which I also have a, a bone to pick with the committee moving Gonzaga over Kansas. Uh, but that's for a different day. Um, you know, this Gonzaga team is a very good team, and they don't even have their best player right now. So I think they, they kind of silence all the doubters by, you know, this is exactly... You know, you know they are, they got that ranking uh, by a split of one, point, uh, one vote. They oh, were, really? They got 32 first-place votes, and Kansas had 31. Damn. Well, uh, fuck that guy. Definition of yeah. a cuck. But uh, yeah, does not watch basketball. I, I think this was absolutely huge for Gonzaga because when tournament time rolls around, it's always you know Gonzaga doesn't play anybody. They play in the Pacific whatever conference. West, I don't even know. But you know this is a, a resume building win against the most you know revered college basketball team in quite some time. So yeah, fuck Duke. Hope they lose again. Well. <laughs> Uh, lastly, on the college basketball front and just sports in general, make sure that you go check out one of our previous previous guests that we had on the show, um, who is the founder of Capers Place. Oh, Capers Place. Ah, fuck. I did it again. All right. God damn it. I'll start over. 
Lastly, before we transition into buzzer beaters, I want to throw a shout out uh, to our boys over at Capper's Place, where they say, don't gamble, invest. So everything that is sports related, they will give you the money line and how to put some money in your pocket. Let's go ahead and run right into buzzer beaters. Harrison, kick us off. I don't have a buzzer beater. Fucking asshole. Yeah. Seriously. No spreads. No fucking buzzer beater. I, I was on a, I was on a five day vacation. All of us. Everyone had Thanksgiving this weekend. Yeah. What was your favorite part of Thanksgiving? Oh really? Definitely the dick. He sucks. Um. Jesus. The the deep fri- the deep fried turkey and mashed potatoes okay. for all right, sure. Thanks, all right. Well, <laughs> Tommy Lasagna. That's all I got. Well, I actually came prepared because I'm a good partner. Uh, I have two quick ones. I want to give a shout out to Mike Evans, who became the third receiver ever, next to Randy Moss and AJ Green, to record a thousand yards in each of his five se- in his first five seasons. So it's pretty good company, uh, especially when you look at his fucking quarterbacks that he's been dealing with <laughs> um and and lastly uh black friday shoppers like what the fuck are you thinking every week you see these or every year you see these like crazy mobs of people rushing to the stores for these crazy deals and it's like why would you ever put yourself through all that trauma and, and you know all, all the the chaos when you can just wait around till cyber monday and buy whatever you want at probably a better discounted price from the comfort of your home. It's so dumb. And I don't All know I'm going to say is if, if you're an employee of one of these major stores, I'm going in that night before and I'm spray buttering the entire front entrance so that when those gates open up and the flood of humans come in, it is just a absolute mess. People are just I'm gonna, slamming heads, breaking arms. I'll take it a step further and say that instead of gassing people at our nation's border. We should be locking these people inside stores on Black Friday and gassing them. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I, well, I don't know about the border. But with that said, all, all, with that said, yeah. I will take it to my buzzer beater. Yeah, please. Uh, one of my favorite bands going right now. Actually, you know, sort of a little hometown band for us, uh, Middle Tennessee folk. Uh, Cage the Elephant, fucking badass rock band. One of the best traveling shows on planet Earth. Just announced today that they finished their new album. So that'll be coming out uh, this, you know, late winter, early spring. Stoked about that. So we'll play you out with a little cage, get you rambunctious. Very nice. And to play, or, uh, to kind of close us out here, quick shout out to Mashed Potatoes, fucking goat of Thanksgiving. If you disagree, get to stepping, ladies and gentlemen. We out. Peace. Out the corner of my eye, I saw a pretty little thing approaching me. She said, I never seen a man who looks so all alone. Could you use a little company? If you pay the right price, your evening will be nice and you can go and send me on my way. I said, You're such a sweet young thing, why you do this to yourself? She looked at me and this is what she said Oh, there ain't no rest for the wicked. Money don't grow on trees. I got
taking money from the church He stuffed his bank account with righteous dollar bills But even still I can't say much because I know we're all the same Oh yes, we all seek out to satisfy those thrills You know there ain't no rest 